Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. back-to-back weeks in Vegas and that'll definitely give us some fun stuff to talk about. Hi, it's the SG Tour Report and I'm Diane Knox. I um, have to say congratulations before we get going to JT Poston, who finished solo third at the Sanderson Farms Championship last weekend. Um, Sergio Garcia winning, Peter Malnati won behind him, and then it was JT. Gave it a great run on Sunday, and uh, yeah, unfortunate for him to fall two shots back, but still a fantastic finish for him. And a brilliant boost heading into the Shriners Hospitals for Children Open. Um, Sergio Garcia winning and just to you know full disclosure get it over and done with out there we had him as one of our fizzlers on the show last week because when we looked at all of his stats his putting stat was um, pretty bad and that was going to be the one that we thought wouldn't perform so well around a course like the Country Club of Jackson however and it's always great to see that he outperformed his stat and that's why he went on to win putting with his eyes closed which we are going to talk about on the podcast a little bit later on So as I said, we're off to Vegas for two weeks. The Shriners Hospitals for Children open and then the CJ Cup that was meant to be in South Korea has been moved to Shadow Creek. So we've got all that coming up next week. That was the course that hosted the match between Tiger and Phil. So we have seen it before in that sense, but my gosh, it's going to be stunning next week and uh, can't wait to see the setup. Anyway, week one in Vegas and we're talking about TPC Summerlin. This is a tournament that was won by Kevin Na last year. That was the second second time he'd won it and the year before and this is going to be the interesting part Bryson DeChambeau now we go into it but Bryson's stats in 2018 compared to his stats now as you can imagine are incredibly different however we did find a pattern between the winners and Patrick Cantley who finished runner-up the past two years and won in 2017 so we found this little um this little 
common thread, put it that way. And that really helped us put the show together this week. So we have our top 10 guys who are really in the win zone. Then we're going to give you our sizzlers, the guys making big jumps up the leaderboard, the fizzlers, maybe the ones that we're saying to avoid when it comes to picking your lineup, and some dark horses as well, which is always my favourite part of the show. So it's all coming up today on the SG Tour Report. Elk, we're both in black today, which is uh, a little bit morbid, but whatever. I'm Diane Knox and Steve Elkington is here and we're talking golf this week. We should be wearing bright colours and sparkles because it's off to Vegas. Oh, I know. It's, and they're going to be there for two weeks. Are we wearing black because we picked Sergio Garcia last week as a fizzler and he yeah. proved us all wrong? But, you know, there was a good reason. Sergio, uh, as I said in the show last week, is one of the great strikers that uh, we've ever seen in the last 20 years on tour. But he's had so much problem with his putting, Diane. And do you know that he won yesterday with his eyes closed putting? I mean, he did that for the week. And some of the uh, – he announced it on Friday when he was near the lead and some of the press corps said that he told them that he won the Masters with his eyes closed and they didn't believe him. But there you have it. He won the tournament with his eyes closed. The only reason we put him on that list is because of his putting average. But we must note, there's always anomalies with tour players. And in this case, Sergio outperformed his regular putting performance by a ton. And that's what makes watching the PGA Tour so exciting is when you see people outperform their stats. And that's when you have an exciting finish to a tournament. Someone like Sergio with such a, you know, he's such a big name player, Masters champion, obviously, can be extremely hot headed. And we looked at his stats last week and we back up the fact that, you know, he was a fizzler because his putting stat was atrocious. How bad does your putting have to get for you to say, that's it, I'm going to close my eyes and what happens, happens? I mean, he obviously hit rock bottom with his putting for him to think that that was a good strategy. Well, what the reason that people, this is not the first person that's ever tried to putt with their eyes closed, Diane. When you, when you putt with your eyes closed and you, have, in this case, he puts a line down on the ball so he can see where he's going, so that gets him orientated. He's mm -hmm. so good that he knows how hard he's going to hit it when he gets over the ball, he closes his eyes and that lets his brain imagine what a really smooth stroke feels like where he's not using his hands too much. And look, I don't know one person that's never putted with their eyes closed on the putting green, but I don't know anyone hardly that's ever won a tournament with their eyes closed. And then our very own Secret Golf contributor, JT Poston, finishing solo third. Talking of putting, I saw you put a, a, you commented on a video on Twitter on just how good JT's putting stroke is. Well, I've been saying it for years to you and everyone that listens, but if you want to watch someone that's real natural, reminds me of a young Ben Crenshaw JT posts in the way he putts, has a sort of a, a mallet-headed putter, stands there. I think I think he says he goes by look, feel, roll or something like that. And, um, of course, I think there's more to it than that. He's got a beautiful technical stroke. Uh, you know, everything about his game is looking good. I texted with him last night, uh, JT Post, and that is. He's changed his swing a little bit. He used to have a real low finish that I wasn't crazy about. He's got that a little better, which has given him more width on his swing. But... I think there's nothing but goodness coming for him and that young man for the rest of the season. 
Good. So as you say, we're off to Las Vegas for two weeks. This week, it's the Shriners Hospitals for Children Open. And then next week, the CJ Cup, which was meant to be in Korea, North Korea. Is it North Korea or South Korea? South Korea. <laughs> I'm betting that it could be South, but who knows? <laughs> like that was a slip of the tongue. But <laughs> South Korea, uh, got there in the end. Um, but with everything going on with the pandemic, of course, nobody was going to fly out to Asia right now. So it's at Shadow Creek where the big Tiger Phil match was. And we'll talk about that a lot more next week. These tour players having two weeks in Vegas, that has to be a bit of a dream come true. Well, you know, we used to have that old expression, can't wait to get there, can't wait to leave. I can't imagine staying in Vegas for two weeks, but hey, you know, the tour has done a good job of getting these tournaments now all out on the West Coast, two events in Vegas and one in California. That's going to be good for the guys that are in these three events. This course, the TPC at Summerlin, is very familiar to me, Diane. Played in that tournament tons of times over my career. I know all about it. I even know who's probably going to win it this week. Good. Well, that's the information that we're going to find out on the show in just a little while. So this tournament's been in Vegas for a long time. It's taken on a few different guises and um, it was played over three courses back in the day. But it was the Panasonic Las Vegas Pro Celebrity Classic back in 83. And it was won by Fuzzy Zeller. Now, Fuzzy's someone that, again, we have a great relationship with. And I talked with him. It must have been this time last year when we were talking about Vegas, just to find out what the tour was like in Sin City back in the day. Well, I mean, it was just, uh, it was great. Uh, you know, again, we played uh, four different golf courses out there. And I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think there's like three, uh, three out of the four are not there anymore. Mm -hmm. Or if they're there, they've had major, major facelifts put to them that I probably wouldn't even recognize anymore. Well, Vegas was old time. You know, we always used to stay down downtown at the Horseshoe. Well, we had plenty of time to have our fun. It's just that you had to do it in spurts. You just couldn't. Uh, you couldn't do it for the long longevity of uh, seven days in Las Vegas. You know, so seven days. That, that's a that's kind of an overnight stay. It's a weekend type place to go. You go out and burn out the first couple of days, and you take one day to recuperate before you come home. But in our case, we were there for seven days, so you had to kind of do it in spurts. If you were going to run hard, run hard early, and then get to bed and get some sleep and then get back up and start to golf all over again. This is kind of old-time Vegas, you know. The, the dealers were still very, very personable. And, and like I say, we just we enjoyed that atmosphere. It kind of was a slower pace than opposed to being out on a strip. Oh, I sat at the blackjack table. Most of the time. And it was always by the door. So when I ran out of cash, I could zip back up to the room, get some more, bring it back down. So, <laughs> so always great to hear Fuzzy's stories. Elk, you and Fuzzy sitting together. I mean, we would you could make a TV show out of that and we would all buy it. He <laughs> was a great character. You know, when I came on the tour, you know, he's a, oh, a little bit older than I am, but certainly one of the guys that I was kind of... Uh, you know, when I when I got on the tour, it's slightly different than it is now. There was Greg Norman, Tom Watson, Fuzzy Zeller, Jack Nicholas would come out on appearances from occasionally when I first got in the 80s. Of course, he won the Masters in 86. So all these unreal older guys that we've seen all our lives, Craig Stadler, Hale Irwin, Andy Bean, all these guys go on and on and on. And uh, it was just a treat for me to be in that era. It was, uh, you know... I couldn't, 
as much money as these guys are playing for, Diane, I don't care because I wouldn't swap it for what I went, the experiences that I had when I was on tour. Well, as we were saying, now the tournament is just played at TPC Summerlin. It was the Justin Timberlake tournament for years because I remember I was always excited knowing that you're going to get glimpses of JT on TV, <laughs> the musical JT. But um, his his name is now not part of it and it's the Shriners Hospitals for Children Open. I wish it was. Um, last year it was won by Kevin Na and talking of putting, and we are going to talk about that a lot on the show. Last year, that was kind of like the, the year of the Kevin Na walk-in putt. That was fun to watch. And the year before that, it was Bryson DeChambeau who took home the trophy. Elk, this is going to be interesting because it was a very different Bryson that we saw in 2018. Well, we are going to get into this, Diane, but in 2018 when Bryson won the tournament, he averaged about 310 yards off the tee that week. In 2019, one of the shortest players on the tour Kevin Nair averaged 315 yards off the tee in Las Vegas. And I guess the question is, what will Bryson average off the tee this week? My prediction is he's been off for two weeks. The center of the golfing universe is all about Bryson DeJambeau. I've been on tour when Tiger was at his very hottest. Even John Daly, when he came into an event after having a performance like Bryson had, we know Bryson's talked about going to the maximum length driver shaft of 48 inches. Yeah. He's going to be fly. He's flying the ball 330 yards in New York. When he gets to Vegas, you can add about 10% to your driving distance out in the desert. Will he be hitting 350 yard shots in the air with run out to 400 this week? This golf course, Diane lets him cut loose on exactly where he needs it. All the par fives, Bryson can swing away. There's drivable par fours, number 15 at uh, TPC Summerlin. The scores are going to be so low, and just Bryson's presence in this event is taking every tour of players like, oh, my God, this guy is going to destroy this course. So I am shooting at every pin. And I promise you, every one of them is thinking that. That's, it's crazy that one guy has really changed the way that not only we see golf courses and distance and driver off the tee, but how everyone else that he's playing against is seeing it too. I mean, I've never seen anything like it in my lifetime, but... Goodness. Right, let's talk about TBC Summerlin then. Um, what what can we expect from the course this week? What what's it going to be asking the players to do? Well, it's a you know, it's a it's in the foothills of Vegas, just outside, about 15 miles outside of Vegas. Um, it's a it's a it's the easiest course that the, the players will play on tour. I think you noted to me earlier today that 23 under last year was in a playoff. Uh, all the par fives are reachable by all the players, there's three of them. Um there's some bottleneck holes where everyone has to lay up off the tee. This is all about getting the score. How do you how do you get to 23 under par or whatever it's going to be this week? Could be 30. I don't know. So we had to, we've carefully chosen what statistics that we think are very important this week, and it's obviously around making birdies, sinking birdie putts, but also driving distance because we have to use the Bryson effect this week. We know Bryson averages four birdies a day. That's 16 under, but we know he's going to destroy the par fives. So we've already got the the whole thing handicapped at 20 under. Who else can keep pace? And that's that's what this show is all about this week. 
So another low scoring week on the PGA Tour and the stats, the skill set required to play this course this week that we're looking at for the SG Tour report are driving distance, greens in regulation, approach shots from 100 to 125 yards. Elk, why in particular have we picked that distance? Well, we know, Diane, that Bryson uh, won here in 18. Uh, we know what it takes to win this tournament. So we, we know there's going to be about 11 or 12 times per day that he'll be hitting a wedge shot to the green. Bryson's going to destroy this golf course. Doesn't mean he's going to win it. But the perception is we're going to have to get to this fictitious number of 20 under. How do you do it? So making birdies, putting, mm -hmm. driving it good and getting lots of looks. And that's why our final two stats, we're looking at birdie average and putting average. Then, of course, we always do current form and we have some other intangibles that we throw into the mix as well. So coming up, well, we're going to start by looking at the top 10 from our re-ranking and tell you who they are. Then we have our sizzlers, fizzlers and our dark horses as well. It's going to be a jam-packed show today. I love this tournament anyway, Elk, because it is typically a very low-scoring tournament and it's just got excitement around it all the time i used to love it when it was downtown diane we used to play the desert inn we used to play las vegas country club we even went back as far as to say the tropicana all right on the strip it was awesome and this course has been there for quite a while tpc summerlin but it's uh it's a good golf course the, the players do in fact crush this course all about scoring this week um all about going low Right, so last year it was Kevin Na that won. The year before that, it was Bryson DeChambeau. And we do have more on Bryson to talk about because we have a revitalized, bigger, bulkier Bryson. But what's the magic formula then to go out there and win, play well in this tournament? In 2018, when Bryson won, he hit 78% of his fairways 83% of his greens, and then finished very close to the top 10 in putting to win the tournament. Okay. The next year, Kevin Nair, who's a very short hitter, but you get a lot of roll uh, firmness in Vegas. He averaged 315 yards, so it put him up there. He hit 75% of his greens, 75% of his uh, fairways, to, and first in putting. But the really interesting one is Patrick Cantlay, he hit 76% of his fairways, 87% of his greens. That's 163 combined. I think the magic number is about 150. You hit 75, 75. Okay. And of course, at the desert, if you're not in the golf course, you're in the desert. So you've got to hit it halfway straight. Mm -hmm. Okay, I like that magic number to 150. It makes a lot of sense. Right, so what we've done is we've taken the field and their player stats. And then we've looked at the skill set required to play TBC Summerlin. And that's what we put together to get our SG Tour re-ranking. And we're going to run through the whole top 10 right now. The number one name, and um, this guy's name has been at the top so much lately. I mean, in the run-up to the uh, Tour Championship and the FedEx Cup playoffs and just unbelievable form there, it's really no surprise that he's still up at the top. And that is Webb Simpson. There's no doubt he averages four and a half birdies a day, Diane, on every course he plays. So that puts him at 18 under wow. a week, first in birdies, first in putting average. So when you actually, um, this top 10 that we're, we're going to tell you right now, 
these guys have the least to do to win the tournament. And by the way, just between you, me, and the kitchen sink, his stats are 20% better than anyone else in this top 10. I actually don't think he's going to win this week. I think his form has just been going this way a fraction. And I'm not sure this is the best course for him, but certainly he has the stats to perform this week. Okay, amazing. I mean, number one in birdie average and putting average. It's that, I mean, that's insane. It really is. So we're going from the guy who's 107th in driving distance to the guy who's number one by a mile. No surprise. Everyone's trying to catch Bryson DeChambeau, the guy who won this tournament in 2018. So we have him at number two in our SG Tour re-ranking. And well, okay, the driving distance being the big number for him, but he does a lot of other things very well right now. Well, Bryson, you know, is, is made no, you know, no secret by him leaving the U.S. Open after winning his first major, talking about going back and testing the limits of the length of the driver can be 48 inches. He's going for the 400-yard bomb. He will hit two shots this week. I'm saying it right here. He'll hit two shots that are over 400 yards this, this week. It'll probably be on number nine, the par five, catch a little downwind from the desert coming out of the city downwind if he catches that fairway it'll run out he's flying at 350 he flies at 330 but we're going to give him about a five percent push with the desert air as everyone gets that puts it at 345 in the air i'm saying if he gets the right pitch it'll be on number nine or number 16 he's going to get off the first 400 legitimate 400 yard bomb on the tour that is insane <laughs> he is going to destroy the par fives on this golf course, Diane, this week. But he's got other good characteristics here. He's a great putter. He, we, we saw him finish first in the combination of putting and scrambling at the U.S. Open. He yeah. won the U.S. Open because there was rough, because all the other guys were back 40 yards and they couldn't compete with Bryson because he was 40 yards ahead. He's good. He hits a lot of greens. He's 55th. He's, he's fourth in making birdies. He almost makes uh, four and a half birdies a day. That's got him at 18 under. So if I take 18 under, Diane, and then I give him the 400-yard balls every once in a while around this golf course, what's his total score going to be? <laughs> as long as he's not in experimental mode. Well, as long as he's not in experimental mode. Gosh. Right, coming in three in our list is the guy that you spoke about at the beginning because last year he lost in a playoff to Kevin Nassau, finished second. The year before that, finished second to Bryson. The year before that, he won. And that is Patrick Cantley. Never quite really uh, have heard of anyone, Diane, putting together of 76% of his fairways and 87% of his greens. 24th in putting, gave him second place last year. Very clearly, this young man knows exactly what he's doing on this golf course. I don't know what that means. I played tournaments where I just feel great when I get over on every on every tee. I know exactly where I want to hit the ball. Cantlay's got great stats to back it up. Uh, he drives it far. He's good at greens and reg. His approaches from a wedge is in the top 30. He's 14th in putting. I mean, the guy is just solid, and he's going back to probably his favorite golf course on the whole tour as far as making money. Yeah, Vegas has him at 14 to 1 as well, which is a, that's pretty good value for Cantley. 
I would certainly be putting some uh, little shillings on uh, Cantley this week, Diane. Uh, number four is Scotty Scheffler. Again, we've been so big on Scheffler ever since we started this show because his numbers are so good. He tested positive for COVID. He was back last week. But, um, the, you know, the big one for Scheffler is birdie average. He's seventh on the PGA Tour. He's got that nice combo we talked about, Diane, which he drives it long, uh, 16th which is as good as anyone. And then, but he's 43rd in greens and reg, which I like a lot. 37th in wedge play, 7th in making birdies, 36th in putting. He, he, as he said last week, I listened to his interview. He said, uh, and I told on this show that I wasn't going to pick him last week because he was coming off COVID. He said he didn't have the rhythm once he got a little bit sick and he was still trying to work through it. So uh, yeah, I don't see any reason why Scheffler's not going to be right on top this week either. Yep, still finished 37th last week. Uh, Tony Finau coming in at number five. Current form, Finau has been playing great. Um, with him, it's always just like that frustrating getting over the final hurdle. You know, he lives in the desert, lives in Phoenix, long driver of the ball, hits it good. Exactly, Diane. I mean, he's slightly behind Bryson and the guys ahead of him that we just spoke of in wedge play. Tony is not a great putter. Although his stats here say he's, he's pretty good, but we all know that he's got a little bit of a wobble in his stroke when it comes down to being under immense pressure. Maybe this is the week? Yeah, we say that all the time. I'm sure he says that all the time too. Um, Matsuyama coming in at number six, another guy where the putting just lets him down. It's a good now. We're talking about the top 10 here and we keep sort of highlighting things that they're not doing good at but we noted last week that Sergio Garcia was one of the greatest strikers all they have to do though Diane as you're talking about Matsuyama is elevate that one stat like if if uh, if he puts decent this week he will be right there because everything else points to you know playing great and um, Joaquin Neiman coming in at number seven in our ranking a big jump up for him and again he's been playing good 23rd 28th and then he finished third alongside Matsuyama and for him it's a lot of green across the board apart from putting average and again we don't want to highlight the bad things but he's doing everything else so well well, when you handicap golf, you have to see where the fault is and what, what's going to be. His stats are almost identical to Sergio's last week. He's, he's putting his 111th, which means he doesn't putt that great, doesn't sink a lot, but he's a great wedge player. He has a lot of natural action where he can, he's like Sergio, uh, pinches the ball really well, so he gets a lot of pin-high uh, shots. No, he's one, he's one stat away, and uh, you know, I, think he's, I, think he's a, I think he's good value. Yep. Uh, three more to complete our top 10. Paul Casey coming in at number eight. And um, with Casey, again, I feel like a little bit streaky at times, but he does drive it well and he's good at that um, longer wedge shot. Well, again, Casey drives it long, hits a lot of greens, hits his wedges great. He's just, it's all about birdie average and putting and, and they kind of go hand in hand. It's, you know, does he get hot with the putter? Mm-hmm. Um, the next guy is one who we've seen get hot with the putter. When you look at the official world golf rankings, he's the highest ranked guy in the field this week after winning the PGA Championship earlier this year. And that is Colin Morikawa. Yes, and you know how much I really like this kid. <laughs> uh, you know, he drives it 
97th in distance, but Kevin Nye won the tournament last year. Uh, this is a guy who moves up when he plays good. When I mean moves up, he elevates himself. We saw it at the PGA. He's able to play well under pressure. Got to get himself into contention. He knows uh, quite well the 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 length that's ahead of him on this board with Bryson DeChambeau, Scheffler, uh, Cantlay, big hitters, guys. They He knows these guys know how to play this golf course. Everything across the board is sets up really nicely for Morikawa. If I told you that he would be more of a favorite when the course is harder, then that would be true. This is not exactly in his wheelhouse, but his stats are solid. Yeah. Um, another guy who's, we know that he can play. We know he's got solid stats. We know that he can bomb it off the tee. And he finished second behind Bryson DeChambeau at the US Open. Completing our top 10 is Matthew Wolf. Yeah, Matthew Wolf, you know, he's one of the great young players. He had two great majors this year. He finished right there, uh, not quite in contention. Oh, he finished about, I think, fourth or fifth in the PGA. And then, of course, second at the US Open. Wolf does two things really good. Drives it high and straight. Wedges, great. Putter, getting there. And uh, Will's 25 to 1. Morikawa is 20 to 1. And, you know, we just love those guys. They just they bring so much energy to the PGA Tour and they're just so fun to watch. So our top 10, and we always say the top 10 are like the guys that are in that win zone. And uh, some big names up there this week. Webb Simpson, Bryson DeChambeau, Patrick Candley, Scotty Scheffler, Tony Finau, Hideki Matsuyama, Joaquin Neiman, Paul Casey, and then Morikawa and Wolf to complete it. Elk, if you had to pick one guy out of that 10 to really look out for this week, who would it be? I think I know the answer to this. No, I think the I said earlier, I think the whole bullseye of the golf world is around Bryson DeChambeau coming off a win at the U.S. Open. He's going to hit two 400-yard drives this week in Vegas, and he is going to, I think, going to hit a wedge to a par five at least three times this week. So the guy putts good. He's so confident. He may have a 48-inch driver. I don't know that. But he's gonna if he's long as he's not in experimental mode. What does his odds on the board say this week, Diane? For for Bryson's, he's seven to one. Is that the lowest? Yeah, out of what we have here, uh, the guys that we're talking about, seven to one. He's the lowest. Yeah, it's going to be hard to. Uh, he averages four and a half birdies a day, approximately, on the PGA Tour. So that's eighteen under if you play four days in Vegas. And I think he's going to destroy the par five. So I'm going to tack on two or three or four more strokes there with a couple of Eagles. And uh, he knows how to win this tournament as he did two years ago. So everything's pointing in the right direction for Bryson DeChambeau. I want to ask you this quickly because you spend so much time talking to guys that are out on the tour week in, week out. Players, coaches, caddies. Is Bryson still, I mean, before the US Open, even more so now, but they're still all talking about him. He's still like the hot name on everyone's lips and everyone's paying attention to what he's doing. Well, yes, he was really peaked when he first came out out of after the lockdown when everyone saw him, got a win with it. Then he sort of um, messed himself up. I think he overreacted to a couple of rules officials, got some bad press, Mm -hmm. uh, blew up a couple of times, came back, got himself organized. But what he's really changed, Diane, is he's changing the way the tour players are thinking about their game. 
They're thinking about it exactly the way we're thinking about it. How do I get to that score? They're all now really focused on stats because Bryson's focused on stats. Yeah. He knows if he hits it down further, he gets a shorter club, he can convert more, et cetera, et cetera. They're all thinking the same way. Okay. Gosh, it's so interesting. Bryson, his odds are the lowest for the whole week at seven to one. So him being Vegas favorite in Vegas. Right, we have some value picks though, because it's always great when we put in, well, first of all, the skill set required to do well around the course this week, TBC Summerlin. Then we look at the field stats. And when we put them into the computer, I love it when we see the guys that make huge jumps up. And the first guy that we're going to talk about for our sizzlers is a secret golf contributor. So it gets us very very excited when his name jumps up to the top. Well, I mean, he is a big hitter. And for a while, he was the biggest hitter on the PGA Tour before this whole Bryson thing. And uh, that is Jason Kokrak. He still is, Diane. Uh, a lot of people think that Tony Finau is the longest out there. Bryson's probably the longest. But Jason Kokrak is right there. And you know what I like about Kokrak this week, Diane? He hasn't won on the tour, which is puzzling to me, but he drives it great. He uh, hits a lot of greens in reg. He is a great wedge player for a really long hitter like Bryson. The only difference between those two guys is his putting. And Kokrak is one statistic away. I wonder if he's been at home in Cleveland working on his putting, Diane, because if he is, he is very good value this week. And he's one of those guys that when he gets hot, he does get hot and he'll have like, a really low round. For Kokrak, the thing that I find really interesting is it's usually on a Sunday. He usually goes low on a Sunday and really makes a huge jump up that leaderboard. And when you say, you know, it's like that one stat that he has to overachieve on, that's what Sergio did last week. Well, exactly. I mean, Sergio putted with his eyes closed last week. I mean, give me a break. Um, so these guys know the number is going to be 20, 21. I don't know if they're thinking about the winning the tournament. They shouldn't be when they walk out there, but they, they all know what is going to get done to this golf course. So they have to prepare accordingly. How are they going to play the short holes? How are they going to get themselves in the position where they don't make a bogey, where to attack at this course and where not to. Fortunately, the par fives, the golf course opens up miraculously, and they the long hitters can absolutely not get in trouble on these par fives. Mm -hmm. They can launch it. And by the way, the end of this golf course, 13, 14, 15, 16, is going to be scorching. Two par fives they all can reach, and a par four they can drive on in one. I mean, give me a break. This thing, you could be out of it by five strokes with six holes to go and, and, and win. But he's 40 to 1. So good odds for Kokrak and a lot of value there. A lot at 40 to 1. He's probably the second longest hitter in the field. And that serves it really well when you're a good wedge player to boot. Okay. And he's moving up 12 spots when it comes to our re-ranking. The next guy is shooting up 75 places. And that's why we had to have him as a sizzler this week. Scott Stallings. He finished sixth um, last week at the uh, Sanderson Farms Championship. So looking at his numbers, what do you think? Well, you were, you've been high on this, uh, this guy today in our, in our pre-meeting for this show. <laughs> uh, his stats are excellent, Diane. He doesn't drive it far. I'm surprised. 92nd in driving distance. But greens and reg, top 30. Approaches with a wedge, top 30. 
Birdie averages, good. Putting averages, 50th. He's in great form. Um, yeah, I mean, what's his odds? He's got to be, it's great value. It's a great pick. Yes, and as we said, you know, that top 10 finish, Scott Stallings, 200 to 1. And um, I follow him on social media, and he was pumped after he went, was it four or five under, actually, in the final round at, um, at Jackson. And that momentum has to carry forward, you would hope, heading off to somewhere like Vegas. We talk a lot about on our show where the guy's coming off a top 10 but let me tell you what, what really motivates a guy when he comes off a top 10. <clears throat> when they write that check for him for $175,000, you get a text message right after you finish the golf on your phone. I haven't had one for a long time, Diane, but they get a text message of how much money gets put into your account right then. Wow. And when you see that $175,000 goes into your account, I'm only guessing that's what it was, but it's probably something around there. That makes me feel good about going to Vegas. Yeah, exactly. As long as you're not spending uh, time in the casinos and <laughs> more time on the course. So yeah, Scott Stallings, big jump for him. And Everything uh, in moderation, Diane. Sam, my son's going out there this weekend with his uh, high school buddy. So uh, he's going to be out there for the golf. They were planning on being at the golf and now they can't go to the golf. So uh, they're going to have some fun. Um, the next sizzler we have is a guy that we did put in our top 10 for the Sanderson Farms Championship. And he did great. He was in the final group playing alongside Sergio on Sunday. He's Australian, so we know that that gets you a little bit overly excited. But Cameron Davis. Yeah, Cam Davis has been on everyone's radar for quite a while, especially in Australia. <clears throat> Getting in the last group last week was very important for him. First time with that's happened. He, uh, what did he shoot the last day? Like one over or something like that? Had yeah, a... he didn't, he, he ended up finishing a T6 as well alongside Stallings. He was level par on Sunday. Yeah, he, uh, he gets hot. He was hot on Saturday, 63 on Saturday. I'm thinking the momentum will follow him forward, Diane. He's a long hitter, top 20 on tour. Really good at uh, greens in reg, 41st. Approaches with his wedge, not so good, but, uh, he makes a lot of birdies, Diane, and we know he's hot. He's, he's just come off a good week. He saw what Sergio did right in front of his very eyes. Sometimes that motivates a player when you see a guy win. In fact, I'll tell you a quick story. When I, when I was on tour very young, I was about 1988, Chip Beck won the Los Angeles Open. I was in that final group, and he had never won a tournament on the PGA Tour, and I knew who Chip Beck was. And he shot 66 the last day, and it actually affected me. I was like, really? oh, my God, this guy's never won, and he just plays like that? Anyway, uh, but I think for this young man, uh, being in that final group, it's just another step that he has to take before he will indeed uh, do it himself. Well, let's talk about that. You know, this being a tournament where guys could go out there and get their debut in because two of our sizzlers have never won before, Cam Davis and Jason Kokrak. So, you know, realistically, looking at the two of them, could this be the home of their debut win on the PGA Tour? Kokrak's more suited. He's been, into, he's been in more wars, as we say. He's almost the top 30 player on the tour. Uh, been out there longer. Been disappointed more. Disappointments uh, change your attitude a lot when you get disappointed. Uh, Cam Davis knows that his career is just starting, so he's he's you know he can shrug things off easier. Uh, he's only been there for a couple of years. When you're in co-crack shoes, been out two or five, six, seven years, starts to really 
get to you. So things become very focused, very pinpoint, laser-like. When you get a chance, you better take it because it may not come around again. Uh, Jason Kokrak, that I will never forget, after him getting to the Tour Championship for the first time last year, that got him into the field for the Masters, and he's never played the Masters before. Then with it being postponed, I mean, he's had such a long wait of excitement, and he's going to be playing in his first Masters next month. He needs to get. He needs to take the whip out and get get after it. Make yourself some room. Make yourself win. Don't sit around and wait. Take over. Take it to the house. I like that. Good way to put it. Right. We're still going to talk about our fizzlers and our dark horse picks. But I tell you, we could actually start with one of our fizzlers right now because we've mentioned this guy a lot already on the show today. That's because he's won this tournament twice before, 2011 and last year. The guy who's famous for walking those putts in when he's making them. And that is Kevin Na. He lives in Vegas too. Yeah, Kevin Nah, what a, I, I watched that tournament last year and how, how great he putted. You know, we've got him on the fizzle list, Diane, meaning we've got him kind of not trending the right direction. He's 170th in driving distance. There's only 140 guys playing this week, so he's short hitter, 181st in greens in reg. His putting is still good, Diane, top 30, Um and he hits his wedges good. Do you think there'll be any magic left for Kevin Nair in Vegas? It'll have to be off the tee and hitting greens if it is. And that is a hard thing to do when you've been out of form off the tee. He's 66 to 1, which seemed, I mean, it's high for a guy who won the tournament last year. But the way he's been playing since then, I mean, the numbers are, are right there in front of us. And he's got a, a couple of red numbers on his graph. Well, it's probably his home course, and he knows yeah. it well. You know, Kevin's had problems. We know he's had problems before with his swing, where he famously has stopped in the middle of his swing, where he sort of, I don't want to say had to swing yips, but he's almost had to swing yips. Yeah. Uh, this is a little worrisome, what he's got going stat-wise here in the front end of this. Uh, but we know he can putt. Yeah, we know he can. And uh, he's a fizzler because he falls 32 places in our re-ranking this week and comes in at number 48. Right, so he's the first of our fizzlers. We have two more to come and two dark horse picks, which, well, I love that part anyway. And this week, I'm so excited about both of our picks for the dark horse. <laughs> so Elk, I'm just going to recap quickly. The, well, you tell us a little bit about the course and uh, what the guys are going to have to do well out there this week. Well, we all know this course is probably one of the easiest golf courses on the whole PGA Tour. We know the scores. If the weather's halfway decent, and by that I mean super windy or cold, it'll be 20, 25 under. How do we get 25 under? Domination of the par fives. They're going to have 10 or 15 wedge shots or say 10 to 12 wedge shots a day. Hit tons of fairways, tons of greens, make tons of birdies. Hey, tell us quickly about that magic formula and the number of 150, what that means. Well, I, I have a combination, Diane, called the 150 rule. If you hit 75% of your fairways and 75% of your greens, that comes up to 150. And then if you add top 10 or top 15 in putting, you're going to probably be holding the trophy. History has said that's happened. The only guy that just blew that out of the water, we've talked about him already, was Patrick Cantley. He had a number, Diane, that I haven't seen, I don't know if I've ever seen, 163, 76% of his fairways at 87% of his greens. 
to lose by one last year. So Patrick Cantlay is an expert on this golf course. Yeah, someone who has won it before and has had two second place finishes since then. Right, so last year's champion, Kevin Nair, he was the first of our fizzlers. We have him at number 48 in our re-ranking this week. Another guy that's fizzling down to number 77. And we've already talked about the long hitters and what we're expecting from Bryson this week. And we mentioned Kokrak being a sizzler. This guy hits it long too, but nothing else seems to be kind of working to bring him further up. And that is Cameron Champ. Yeah, I'm not buying any stock this week on Cameron Champ, Diane. Went probably the other longest hitter on the whole PGA Tour, number two in our rank or number two on tour. And when you think about, uh, I'm looking to the side here because I'm trying to compare uh, his statistics to Bryson's, um, you know, he doesn't putt good. And I, I see him here at 126th. Bryson is 16th in the same category, um, 150 odd with his wedge shots. So imagine Cameron Champ, who I love as a player, drives it down there, miles down there, Diane, doesn't hit a very good wedge shot and then doesn't putt very good. That's very frustrating. Yeah. Um, and that is why I'm not buying his stock this week. And that's why I was, I fizzle list. I was talking to someone last week. He's a, a doctor of biomechanics and he's done this big study into wedge play. And I had asked him about that. I said, you know, now with there being such a focus on distance off the tee and these guys hitting it so far, Cameron Champ being second on the PGA Tour, it, they need to almost put as much emphasis on their wedge play because what's the point of hitting it that far if you're not backing it up with the shots of the green? Yeah, and a wedge, and a wedge swing, by the way, uh, is is completely different than a driver swing. Driver swing, we're back and they're hitting the ball on the upswing. Wedges is a pinch shot down, a different angle of attack on the wedges. Some guys are excellent, guys that have been excellent their whole careers, like Sergio Garcia, um, you know, a ton of guys, uh, mm -hmm. Lee Trevino, Paul Azing, all these guys hit the low spinning wedges. Some guys, Diane, never get it. With all these track mans and everyone, they, they can certainly copy the data. They mm -hmm. can see what a good wedge player looks like, and that's helpful. But if you can't do it, you can't do it. And then, Elk, you were talking about guys who are – traditionally great wedge players. The next guy was seen as a great wedge player for many years. And I just don't know what's been going on with this guy. Ricky Fowler completes our list of fizzlers this week. He falls 68 places down to 87. What's going on with Fowler? Love Ricky Fowler. We, we're going to do this one backwards. We all know that Every time we see Ricky on TV, everybody just drools about his stroke. They love it. He, he's got the most gorgeous stroke, and it proves it. He's in the right around the top 30 in putting. That's awesome. But when I look on the other side, Diane, I'm, he's driving distance. He's 120th. He used to hit the ball far. He's 112th in greens and reg. When you're 120th in driving distance, usually means you're mishitting it because Ricky's longer than 120. He miss hitting it, hitting it in the rough a lot, and that's why he can't hit the greens, and that's why he's ranked 112. He's 166 in proximity to the hole with a wedge. So I don't know what his odds are. What's his odds this week? But I'm not buying that either, Diane. Yeah, Ricky Veller's 33 to 1. But when you look at his form, I'm like, how on earth can you have him at 33 to 1? It just doesn't. 
you know, that's why we do this because it doesn't really make any sense. No value there for me this week. Sorry. He has been changing his swing quite a bit. I've read, heard about it, changing his swing, trying to get the correct angle. It's hard when guys change their swing a lot, Diane, because they've got it. They got to get good at it again. And it's hard to beat someone that's so good at their swing. I know. And uh, yeah, Ricky, we'll just have to wait and see. Everyone likes him. Fans like him. Players like him. He's he's a likable guy. Yeah. Where's that orange on a Sunday? He's like, you see the little kids running around in full Ricky outfits. So yeah, um, he completes our fizzlers, unfortunately, for this week. Kevin Na, Cameron Champ, and Ricky Fowler. So recapping our sizzlers as well while we're here. Jason Crowcrack, oh, Jason Kokrak, Scott Stallings, and Cameron Davis. We have two dark horse picks. Um, do you want to start or do you want me to start? We used that. I knew you were going to say that. Um, and my dark horse pick, I'm just looking at his odds. He is 250 to one. Yours is or mine? Yeah, mine is. And I'm like, what on earth? Because this guy consistently plays very, very well at this course, consistently finishing top 10, top 20. Um, he's won it before in 2009. The following I know year- who it is. And this is the best bet on the board right here. Yeah. Well, he won 2009, following year, lost in a playoff. Uh, Jonathan Bird won that year. He's Scottish, right? So, of course, I'm going to see that flag and be like, yes. Um, Because the flag's either going to be this guy or my brother, (laughs) who also plays well here. But my dark horse pick is Martin Laird. Martin Laird lives in Phoenix, or yes, lives in Phoenix. I play with Martin Laird. He is a long hitter. Uh, let's have a look at what he's got going. Well, I've got I've got all of his stats here. Anything you want to know about Martin Laird, I can tell you. <laughs> he's a long hitter. I can't exactly. believe that he is 250 to one. Yeah, this guy could be in the top ten. He drives it far. He's 16th in greens and reg. He's number four in wedge play. Now he is 181st in putting. We've seen him putt with the long putter. We've seen him putt under the arm. And that is where things can come undone for him. But surely, Diane, your 250 to 1 dark horse pick is going to go back to his favorite course in the desert and do good again. I, this morning, I was looking back at the leaderboards from like years gone by, and I would see that Scottish flag and get super excited anyway, because I'm like, is it Russell? <laughs> but he is up there all the time. So Martin Laird at 250 to 1, a guy who's a greens and reg, he's 16th on the tour, and that approach from 100 to 125, he's 26th. Uh, oh, no, sorry, I'm looking at the wrong oh. person. Yeah, no, I, yeah, no, sorry, let me do that again. Um He's 16th for greens and regulation on the tour. And that approach stat, he's fourth, fourth on the whole PGA Tour. So my dark horse pick is Martin Laird. And I'm like so big on it this week. I know you are, Diane. (laughs) But it won't be any bigger than my dark horse pick. Can I just say your dark horse pick, who I was like, he's 200 to 1. My dark horse is ranked better than yours. Yeah, your dark horse, I'm very excited to uh, to hear this because I'm sure, I'm 100% sure there's a story behind it. So two weeks ago at Champions, my golf club, my <laughs> Sam and I are in the putting green and he said, Zad, come here. I want you to watch this guy hit over here off the tee, playing with two of the high school boys at our club. And he hit a beautiful drive on the on the tee, off the tee. And, and uh, 
I got introduced to him. And uh, then last week at Sanderson Farms, my son said, by the way, he said, that guy, Dad, MJ Duffy, has qualified four-spotted like five times on the PGA Tour. He said, I said, how does he do that, son? He goes, Dad, he doesn't give a crap about anything. He'll, he literally goes out and gets on fire, like nine birdies, eight birdies, every time he'd play with the U of H team, just go on fire. So what does he do, Diane? He leaves our club, goes to Mississippi, drives over there, Monday qualifies. I pull up the newspaper on Friday, and who's leading the tournament after two days? A four-spot MJ Duffy. I hold this up to Sam. I said, is this your guy? He goes, Dad, he may win the tournament. Anyway, Diane, he finished 11th yesterday. Everyone at the club, our club, is so happy for this kid. They already have given him a spot into the Vegas tournament. And now I am absolutely gutted that your guy has longer odds than MJ Duffy. My guy's not even on the tour. I can't believe that. Um, He's South African. He turned pro in 2012. And he's been playing on the Corn Ferry Tour. But even on the Corn Ferry Tour, he hasn't been playing, like, amazingly well. But to Monday qualify and then finish just outside the top 10. He only plays good in the big stuff. That's his motto. That's that's what we we say about him. I'm a a big fan of that. I'm going with MJ Duffy. You find him. And uh, as you say, he's... He has no status. He has no nothing. But finished 11th last week. They gave him a spot. He's on his way to Vegas. He is fearless. Living the dream. Great driver of the ball. Uh, I, I actually was on the driving range yesterday talking to the two high school kids that played with him. I said, hey, how about MJ? He goes, if he just listened to you, Elk, and he wouldn't make a double bogey, every, he does something crazy. You need to tell him not to do the crazy stuff. I said, let me tell you something. If, you're, if, if, he, if he's qualifying for tour events and then leading it after two days, he doesn't need my advice. He'll figure it out. To go out and Monday qualify. And, um, you know, with no status, he's got everything to play for and nothing to lose. So it's like, go for it. He's my dark horse this week, and now you know why he is. Yeah, I love it. I knew there was going to be a great story. As soon as I saw his name, I was like, right, okay, here we go. <laughs> Good one. Right, big uh, big dark horse in MJ Duffy and Martin Laird. So what a show it's been today. It's been jam-packed. We gave you our full top 10. We talked about Bryson and how I, all eyes are pretty much going to be on him, the guy who won here two years ago, and it's going to be fun to see just what he can do to this golf course. Um, Our sizzlers, our fizzlers, our dark horses, and yeah, follow us on social media. We'll be following their progress and seeing how our picks get on this week. It's going to be exciting. I, I'm, you know, as I, as you said, Diane, the center of the golf universe sits squarely with Bryson DeChambeau. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if any more experiments have come out where he's got a longer driver and he's trying to hit it. I've already predicted there'll be a couple 400-yard drives this week. Uh, I'm interested to see what they're going to do with this this course. I've played it. I know what I hit. I want to see what they hit. <laughs> week one of two in Las Vegas and we'll be back next week to talk about the CJ Cup thank you Elk thank you Diane watching Bryson on this course this year is going to be fun just because obviously like he won here two years ago so he has that winning memory and I'm sure for him the challenge of how he's going to attack the course 
with his new game and all this power and all this distance and the fact he's had these two weeks off to work on getting even more. Will he play the longer driver? I mean, all of this we're going to find out. But thank you for listening to the SG Tour Report. Don't forget, if you want to watch the show, it goes out on Sports Grid every Wednesday at 2pm and then it's repeated at 3, 10 and 11. That's all Eastern. And there's some extra bits in the show as well. So, um, if you're still a little bit uncertain of your lineups and who you want to get your money on, then tune in. Um, all the information is on our Secret Golf social media and sportsgrid.com. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you haven't subscribed already, do that. It comes out every Tuesday. And um, yeah, then you don't have to like manually go and find it. You'll just get a little notification that pops up on your phone. But yeah, every Tuesday the show comes out and hopefully will help win you some big bucks this week. <laughs>